You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey there, this is episode number 38 of Life Repurposed. This week, I'm excited to have a guest as Jill Savage joins me. She's an author and a speaker who is passionate about encouraging families. She's the author of a lot of books, including Professionalizing Motherhood, My Heart's at Home, Real Moms, Real Jesus, Better Together Because You're Not Meant to Mom Alone, and the one we're going to be talking about today, Empty Nest, Full Life, Discovering God's Best for Your Next. She's going to share with us in the episode more about that book and tell us a little bit about her experience as an empty nester. But I wanted to say that one of her books has been an influence on my life from the time I was a young mom. Her book, Professionalizing Motherhood, was something that I picked up many years ago at a bookstore, and it really helped me in the transition. When I had left my career as a registered nurse and I decided to stay home with the kids, and I really struggled with the idea that... I was no longer a professional and that somehow being home with the kids wasn't valid as a career choice when I had gone to four years of college to be a nurse. So Professionalizing Motherhood was a book that influenced me a lot. So I was really excited when I was able to pick up Empty Nest Full Life and read that one recently, and I'm going to be getting it as gifts for a bunch of my friends too. So join us as you listen in on our little chat. I am happy to have Jill Savage with me today, and we're just going to be talking about what it means to be an empty nester and have a full life. And I know that this episode is going to be listened to by people who are not even close to approaching empty nest phase, but I've been preparing for this since my children were born. I really did think ahead, raising two sons who are now 25 and 27 thinking of how I was going to release them into the world and knowing that sometime in the future, my husband and I were going to be alone again. And so now after 30 years of marriage, we are empty nesters. And so I wanted to invite Jill to come on and talk about empty nest and full life. So welcome, Jill, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. So I am an empty nest mom. Um, I have five children. And right now, um, thanks to some foster care, we have seven grandchildren. And so we live in normal Illinois. And really, that's um, very indicative of what my mission is. And that is to help moms, um, to help marriages. My husband and I do marriage ministry together as well. Um, But to help moms in marriages and women in general to know what's normal in life and how do we handle normal in um, in everyday life? And so, you know, I share very honestly and very openly um, about the good stuff in life, but also the hard stuff, because I want people to know that even the hard stuff, unfortunately, sometimes is normal. Right. Yeah. Is there ever really normal? <laughs> <laughs> I think normal is messy and it's nothing like what we see in the movies or the TV shows or the books that we, you know, the, the fiction books we read. Um, but it's, uh, far more, uh, you know, in, in the real stuff of life. 
Right. Even the idea of what is a normal empty nester. In the beginning of your book, you share sort of a chart that shows someone who's married at 22 and then about how many years you'll be an empty nester. I was married at 20. So my husband and I have a longer number of empty nest years together. But I know there are people who go almost directly from graduating kids from high school a couple of years alone and then they're in retirement. Right. It all depends on when you started your family. And um, I'm really the same as you. I uh, had my first baby when I was 20, almost 21. Uh, and and so, but we had five over 12 and a half years. So, uh, you know, I, I did become an empty nester, um, a pseudo empty nester, 49, uh, 50, when uh, our youngest went off to college and then a full empty nester about uh, two and a half years ago. So in your book, you have two sections and I really like how you have letting go and then grabbing hold. So what I'd like to start with in our chat right now is talking about letting go. I think a lot of times we think about letting go of the kids and moving them out of the house. But in your book, you talk about a lot of the other things that we let go of. So what was the most surprising for you that you let go of? Well, I think probably um, all of them are things that I um, certainly struggled with, um, letting go of expectations and guilt and opinions and traditions and your child's problems. Um, But I would say um, expectations has probably been a huge one for me, (laughs) Um, you know, because we just, we don't even realize it. Our human nature just sits in these places of expectation. So maybe when we left home, we talked to our mom every day after we left mm-hmm. home, or maybe we talked to her once a week or even once a month, who knows, but then you're going to impose that expectation on your own children. Yeah. And the truth is you, you have to let go of the expectations. I mean, I have five children and all <laughs> five of them communicate with me at different paces, you know? And so I, I have to. I have to recognize and let them be who they are. And, you know, I hear from some of them daily, almost. I hear from some of the others weekly, maybe even uh, we have one son that if I hear from him once a month, it's a good month. (laughs) And so just recognizing that if I don't deal with those expectations, if I don't release those, then what I do is I set myself up for perpetual disappointment. Yes. And that yeah. is really a dangerous place to sit mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. I don't know where you're at with how many of your children are married, but I have found that with having two sons and now two daughters-in-law that I have to let go of those expectations as an empty nester as well, because I don't want to impose on my daughters-in-law some expectation of like how often they should contact me or what they should do in uh holiday settings, all of that kind of stuff that comes along with having a bigger family. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's, you just talked about, um, that's one of my chapters in empty nest full life is, um, to let go of traditions Mm -hmm. and you, you know, what you were just talking about is a perfect example of that is, you know, your traditions served you really well when your kids were growing up. But now they get the opportunity to create their own traditions. And so you may have to either be flexible with yours 
or let them go or recognize that you carry on the tradition, but it's you and your spouse. If you're, you know, in, in the, um, still married in that empty nest season of life. So recognizing that, um, you have, you know, you have to let go of these places. If you don't, it can cause hurt. It can cause disappointment. Um, it can, um, put, um, a pressure on your kids or your kids' spouses, um, uh, that really they don't need to live under. Mm -hmm. So we're giving them the gift of freedom and of being themselves. Yes. I think that's why it's so important to start planning for it from the time we have kids, or at least when they're like entering into junior high, because I, I was thinking about that and I thought, okay, with family traditions, what will happen if I'm so married to that tradition? And then they marry a girl who has her own set of traditions. And then will I let go of mine or will it become a battle? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, you know, I wrote a blog post several years ago that um, just really has gotten a lot of traction. And it was um, give your child, give your adult child the gift of holiday freedom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I put it out right before Thanksgiving. So, you know, especially Thanksgiving and Christmas are big tradition times. Yeah. And it is literally a gift to give our kids the freedom from those traditions and expectations. And Mm -hmm. quite frankly, you know, this was really interesting. I was teaching an empty nest retreat um, about a year ago and we were kind of talking through um, the priority space of um, moms. And so uh, um, a mom, her first priority would be God and then her marriage and then her kids. And, um, and then in a child's life, you want their priorities to be um, your, um, you know, God, and then um, your parents and your family, and and then things fall under. Well, the minute they get married, <laughs> you move from spot number two to spot number actually four, and then if they have kids, even more. I mean, you just keep moving yep. down, and so I think we don't prepare our hearts for the reality of that. But yeah. their job is to make their new new family number one. Yes, that's their priority. You're no longer their priority, and it's not. And to to it, it should never be to keep you happy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not the center of their world. <laughs> Nope, we're not. <laughs> I remember when they were little though, you know, three, four years old, they, it, it just was so precious to no. be the center of their world, but that does change. And I've, I found delight actually in watching my kids leave the nest and make choices that maybe aren't the same as what I would make, but it's been fun to see them think for themselves. Yes. And, um, to just become actual grownups. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I know we've got probably um, uh, people listening that aren't in the empty nest season yet, but that yeah. is a beautiful example of what you can be doing along the way, like in the, in their, um, in their teen years, you know, our tendency mm-hmm. is to tell them what to do. Just to, yeah. we just naturally want to. And so in the teen years, you're starting to back off a little bit. And, and instead of saying, well, this is what you need to do. You're asking more questions. Well, what do you, mm, feel that's like good. The next right step. What do you feel like you should be doing here? 
um, what decision do you think is the right decision to make? Even though in the back of your head, you're going, I want you to make a decision <laughs> this <laughs> way. And, you know, there were even a few times where, you know, we knew that we would pay, if they didn't make the right decision, we could still play the parent card and call mm-hmm. it. But we wanted to give them the opportunity to exercise their decision making muscle. Yeah. And so that's a place where we can really help our kids um, begin to do that so that when they leave, they actually have some experience in that yeah. and we can trust that. Well, that leads naturally into something that you talk about in several places in the book, and that is letting go of your child's problems. <laughs> so that sounds easier said than done. Can you share any wisdom that you've learned over the years? Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, um, and you know, that, that was a, a very honest chapter that I wrote. Um, our, uh, our adopted son has had a lot of mental health issues and in and out of, um, mental health hospitals, um, multiple suicide attempts. Um, I remember in the midst of, um, actually his last suicide attempt, which thankfully was several years ago. Um, a friend of mine who was many years ahead of me, and I didn't even know that she had had a child that had had problems like that, but she challenged me and she said, Jill, um, you have got to learn how to lovingly detach. And Mm -hmm. I'd never even heard of the concept. Um, but I looked it up. She said, you know, it's often used in Al-Anon and, um, Mm -hmm. places where people are, you know, families are dealing with addiction. But, um, I, I, uh, you know, began to dig into that. And what we realized is um, that we needed to not detach from him as a person, but to detach from his problems. Okay. I think that as parents, and it doesn't have to be big things like, you know, having a a child with mental health issues, but our kids are going to, um, they're going to struggle in some way, shape or form. And as my friend, uh, Brenda Yoder says, um, she says, don't steal the struggle. Don't steal it from them. We want to come in and rescue. And oftentimes then that enables, and it really doesn't help. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, not that there aren't times that you can help them. It's totally mm-hmm. fine. You know, we had, uh, one daughter and her husband that were moving to our community, they, he got a new job and they didn't make enough on the ha- the sale of their house to turn around and buy a house immediately. They needed a, a little bit of a bridge to save up and then be able to mm-hmm. buy. And they asked if they could live with us and we were fine with that. That's helping. Right. Um, if they would have taken advantage of that and stayed past the months, you know, that they did, then that might've been enabling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's okay to help. So when we, what we have to ask is, is the help helping? So with our son, you know, uh, um, you know, we were trying to, we would occasionally let him stay with us and, but he wasn't doing better. He wasn't mm-hmm. getting better. He wasn't holding a job. And we finally had to go, our help isn't helping. Yeah. So um, that's really, I think, a key wow. is um, with our adult kids is sometimes you got to stand back and let them mm-hmm. struggle and watch them struggle. And sometimes, um, you know, that's, that's what it looks like to let go mm-hmm. of their problems. Oh, it sounds like it's 
so painful to make that decision. And when you said our help isn't helping, I have a feeling that's a realization that all of us could look at something we're doing for our kids and realize we have a good heart in doing it, but we're not necessarily helping them by doing that. Yes, that is very, Mm -hmm. that's very, very true. Yeah. So you talk in the first part of the book about letting go in empty nest full life. So if we let go of everything, we have nothing. And that might be how some people feel when their children leave home. I have nothing left. So let's transition into talking about grabbing hold and replacing the letting go with something new. The whole concept of letting go and holding on um, comes from a Bible verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. It says there is a time to, um, it's, there's a season for everything, a time to laugh, a time to cry. Well, one of them um, in the the message version of the Bible says uh, there's a time to let go and a time to hold on. And so I was reading that just in my normal Bible reading and it struck me, oh my gosh, Lord. If I can learn what to let go of and why I can learn what to hold on to, I think I can do this, this emptiness journey a little bit easier and with a little bit more clarity. So um, I love in the book of Isaiah um, verse uh, chapter 43, it says this um, as it relates to what's around the corner, be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? And I think a lot of times as moms, we don't see it because all we saw was this, our value um, that we brought to our kids' lives to raise them. And so um, now we need to have a vision that there really is some new things to hold on to. And one of those is your new mission field. So you, there are, you got to look around and say, who still needs me? Who needs me? And I'm not even talking in your family. What did you love about mothering? Maybe you loved investing in a child's life. Well, I can bet you that there are some children in your neighborhood who do not live near their grandparents. And they probably could use an adoptive grandparent. Mm -hmm. Um, There are moms who need your wisdom. And you're like, but I messed up. Guess what? We all mess up. (laughs) But you still have wisdom to offer them. Mm -hmm. And so um, who still needs you? Who needs what you have? And, you know, one of the things I did um, is I created a journal that goes along with the book. Um, The journal is available over on Amazon. and, And really, it takes moms through... A, um, a, a journey that says, um, okay, in motherhood, I've experienced this, whatever this is. And I give them all kinds of options. I'm just to get their thinking started. You know, I, maybe I had a special needs child. I had a strong-willed child. I um, had a, a husband that um, worked a ton and I felt like a single parent, you know. So in motherhood, I experienced this. Therefore, I understand this. Um, and then I do the same thing in marriage. I experienced blank. Therefore I understand blank. And so just trying to help women to understand what they have to offer to the world. And that's where you begin to have a vision for your new mission field. 
or even some new passions. Maybe there was something that you really wanted to do and maybe you never finished a degree because, you know, kids came along and do you still have a passion for that? Is it time to pursue it again? Or maybe you don't even desire to do that anymore, but you've been more interested in something else in the last five to 10 years. Well, can you uh, begin to identify what's a new passion that you want to pursue? That's awesome. I'm going to link to the journal as well as your book and a couple of your other resources. And for those listening, that's going to be at michellerayburn.com slash 38, because this is episode 38. And there will be a blog post there with some links, some info about Jill, about her book, her other books that we're not even going to get an opportunity to talk about today. So that will all be there. As I'm thinking about that journal, there's as a writer, I know that those would be fantastic writing prompts. Those could be yes. blog ideas or somebody might come with a speaking ministry out of that or start a small group or a Bible study based on something that they journal about, just thinking back with what they have to share. So that is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I think that we underestimate what we have to offer to the world. And yeah. sometimes it takes a little bit of exploration to mm-hmm. figure that out. But you've been through a lot. You've weathered a lot. Uh, You've been a victor over some of it. Some of it you've just survived. Mm -hmm. But even if you've just survived, you've learned lessons along the way that others coming behind you really need to understand. Yeah, that is the goal with my podcast and why I call it Life Repurposed because I'm a trash to treasure buff. I love, um, actually, we're doing a video interview, but my listeners will not be able to see this, but Jill has some beautiful weathered wood in the background (laughs) on the video. And uh, I love that repurposing because it shows me that in the junky stuff, there is still something valuable to share. And that's the whole idea about it is that life can be repurposed when we go through a new season or a different phase. God always has something different for us. And for me, it's always been unexpected. Yeah. I, I didn't figure out what I wanted to be in when I grew up until I was in my mid to late thirties and I'm 50 now. So um, for those listening, your life is not over when your kids leave home. No, it's just starting. In fact, that's yeah. one of the things we talk about in the book um, is that I like to refer to the empty nest as the encore season of life <laughs> because you know, in a, if you ever go to a show on a stage, you know, the curtain comes down and the show is over. And, and so, you know, you think you're done, but then the curtain comes up, the music starts again. And oftentimes that music is um, maybe a review of the music that was throughout the whole show. Um, And so it's not, you know, the whole song, but it's little pieces of it. I think mm-hmm. motherhood and the emptiness season is the same way. Yeah. You know, I loved snuggling my babies when they were little. I loved that. And guess what? I've gotten to do that as a grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten to do that um, even as a neighbor and a friend uh, for those that, you know, just needed a break from their little ones. Mm-hmm. And so um, I still get to do it. I still get to sing that song. I just don't yeah. have to sing the whole song. Guess what? I, I don't have to bring them home and, and, and get up three times a night with them. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to call it the encore season of life. Yes. And I, I, I love that. Yeah. I just think it's a great picture. 
So in the encore, as we wrap up this uh, grabbing hold section, what has been the most surprising thing? Oh, goodness. Um, I think for, you know, we haven't talked about marriage at all, and it doesn't necessarily apply to everyone, but um, how much fun it has been for our marriage. Um, now don't get me wrong. Um, our marriage went through a terrible crisis nine years ago. Um, and it was, um, you know, I honestly wondered if we were going to make it. And that's part of the reason my husband and I now have such a, Mm -hmm. um, we're so passionate about the marriage ministry that we do, but, um, that has surprised me is just how, how the freedom that we have and how much fun it's been, Mm -hmm. uh, together. Uh, you know, our marriage looks very different than it used to. Like, um, you know, we, we make dinner together in the evenings and, um, we didn't ever do that before. So just exploring new things, um, having freedom to spend more time with friends, with family. Um, so I think it's that freedom piece probably that I have really enjoyed um, the most and and uh, have grabbed hold of very willingly. <laughs> I know I can relate to that too. Uh, there's a twinge of guilt in my mind sometimes of like, should I be okay with my kids having left home and feeling free? Yeah, I know. Right. Because yeah, it's almost like there's a sense of relief and enjoyment, but you know what? I, um, I dedicated this book to my parents and, um, and I did that very intentionally. Um, you, my dedication says to my parents, Dwayne and Patsy Fleener, thank you for showing me what it looks like to have an empty nest and a beautiful full life. Mm. Because I really felt like I did get to see them do that. They never were sad that we were gone. Um, they never, um, and if they were, they didn't, they didn't show it to us, but they were our biggest cheerleaders and still incredibly involved in our lives as adults. And then incredibly involved in our children's lives as grandparents and even great grandparents. So, um, I, I really, I think that you can feel a little guilty about that, but here's the deal. Your kids need to see you thriving. Yeah, that's good. You're going to, you're going to weigh them down with guilt. If all Mm -hmm. they hear about is how much you miss them. Wow. That's good. And so I think it's a gift to give to our kids Mm -hmm. for us to grab hold of what God Mm -hmm. has for us. Isn't this encore season of life. Mm -hmm. So then they're freed up to go and do what they're called to do in their life. And you're freed up too, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My husband and I look at each other sometimes we think, wow, we've been married 30 years and we're actually in the best place in our relationship that we've ever been. So it's great to be in that place as an empty nester, but his grandparents were married 75 years. So that could mean we would have another 45 years together as empty nesters. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. So when I look at the big picture, I think, okay, we we could, Lord willing, have that much time together. (laughs) Yes, that's so very true. Wow. So I'm going to transition into the final segment of our chat here today, and that is sharing a resource with the audience. We've been talking about that all along, but I want to give you the opportunity to tell us what you want the audience to know about Empty Nest, Full Life, Discovering God's Best for Your Next. 
Well, you know, we've created an entire website for this book. And um, and so the best place for someone to go is um, emptynestbook.com. And if they go there, they're going to see that um, we've actually got a page that's just resources. Um, we've got a uh, Facebook uh, page for emptiness. I just Mom. joined the group. I just saw that. I just accepted <laughs> you in. You answered all the questions. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so I, um, we've got that. Um, every other fall, I am doing an empty nest retreat for moms. Um, so I'm super excited about that. There's the journal mm-hmm. as well. And then I do have um, for mamas that have kiddos getting ready to go to college, I have um, a, a complete college packing list. I saw that. I didn't sign up to get it yet, but it looks great. Yes. And so um, that is um, a great resource that you can tap into it as well. So um, those are out there at emptynestbook.com. Yeah. I liked in the book too, you had a lot of helpful things. I have all these little um post-it notes on here. There were some questions. I think they were sort of teasers for what's in the journal. So there was a section for answering some questions growing up. I experienced, therefore I understand. Also in the back, there's a really helpful section uh, called junk in the trunk, which I thought was really funny because one of the chapters in my book is called junk in the trunk. It's different, different application, but um, I love the questions there because there are a lot of self-reflecting Uh, ones that like the first one, am I overly critical causing my spouse to feel like he or she can't do anything right? Those are really great for building self-awareness because, well, I don't know. I'm scared to have my husband answer those, but he would (laughs) probably say yes on that one um, because I have been overcritical before. So anyway, there's some really good ones about unpacking just some of the emotion that might be existing in your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I try to pack my books, all of my resources with, um, powerful, um, you know, resources that you can use beyond, uh, today. And so, um, that's really, really important to me. And that's why we put uh, extra stuff out on the website as well. And you know, what was funny about the journal is, um, it is really, I mean, I did add some questions to the journal. Many of the questions were are already in the book, but um, I had my pre-readers. My pre-readers were the ones that suggested the journal, and they, you know, they were in the middle of pre-reading it as I'm editing it, and it's you know coming, it's being developed, and they're like, "Jill, are you going to create a journal for this?" And I thought, well, "No, I'm not going to. I've never done a journal for any of my books." And they were like, "You have so many reflective questions in this thing." it really, I think it lends itself to a journal. So I probably would have never done that without having that feedback from people. And so, yeah, we created the journal just so people would have a place to really, you know, I give you one line in the book. And if you're, you know, somebody that wants to really sort through that and enjoys journaling, then you're going to have, you know, a a good half a page to answer that question in the journal. So um, that's really why we did it. It was at the, it was request of those that were reading it. I think that would be a great resource too, because in the back of the book, there is a discussion guide that could be used with a small group. And so it would be great to process some of the chapters by journaling and it would make it easier to answer some of the questions in the small group discussion as well. I know with, uh, I get together on Wednesday nights with four other friends where we sometimes do a book together, but oftentimes we just talk and pray, but having a book gives us something to talk about that 
promotes change so that we don't find ourselves talking about the same thing over and over. So the journaling and the discussion is good for that. It is. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because another thing that is over on emptinessbook.com is a free video curriculum for small groups. Okay, great. So um, it's, uh, it's available on the website. It's completely free. And all you have to do is get, um, you know, a group together. The leader's guide's in the back of the book. The videos are Perfect. online. And they're not like, you know, 30-minute teaching. They're like 10-minute videos that just kind of raise the questions, get the discussion mm-hmm. going, uh, give you something to do together, and then, um, you know, launch off of that. Nice. Well, that's fantastic. I love to have resources when I'm reading. And then I don't like to just read a book, set it aside, be done with it. Yeah. And when I read this book, it was um, right after it came out, I read it. And then I I knew I was going to want to have you on the podcast just because it's a book that I'm going to be buying to give as gifts to some of my friends who are going through the empty nest phase. So it's also a cute little size. I like that fits in my purse. So it's really good for um, giving out as a gift to a friend who's either preparing for empty nest or or going through it right now. Is there anything else that you want my listeners to know about your ministry, your book before we wrap up? Oh, I would just say on tune, you know, uh, check out my blog, um, subscribe to my blog. If you'd like um, to have that encouragement in your inbox. Um, I love hanging out on Facebook and Instagram as well. So um, I'm Jill Savage dot author in both of those uh, spaces. And, um, you know, that's really my, my passion is to bring encouragement and, um, and to really lift you up in whatever season of life you're in. So come hang with me online. Getting in a community in a group like that would be great for people who are looking for extra connection. And I love, I, you know, it's in the beginning when the group was just starting, you know, I felt like I kind of needed to keep conversation going and I no longer feel that way. (laughs) As people are just using it and, um, you know, they're putting it out there when they got a struggle and others are giving them wisdom and perspective. And it's, it's really uh, been a really neat place. And, you know, um, it is a, a Christian group. Um, I had found quite a few empty nest groups, but they didn't have the faith mm. piece. And I really wanted to yeah. offer that with this particular, um, with this particular group. All right. Thank you for doing that. So for my listeners, you can check out michellerayburn.com slash 38, and I will have links to all sorts of things from Jill. If you didn't catch all of those as she was sharing the website addresses, thank you so much for being with us, Jill. I've enjoyed chatting. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. As I close today, I just want to tell you a little bit more about the book empty nest full life that I've just been chatting about with Jill. I want to read to you a little bit from the back of the book. It's happening. You weren't always sure you'd get here, but the kids grew up and are surviving more or less successfully. But what now? If you're like most moms, you're caught between grief and delight and you are full of questions, loose ends, hopes, and regrets. Empty nesting can be a disorienting time, but it can also be the best time of your life. Jill Savage, an empty nest veteran, offers you wisdom for the murky waters ahead, teaching you what you need to let go of and hold on to in the shifting landscape. Encouragement for when you're feeling confused and discouraged, full of stories and new insights, you'll find your spirits lifted and hope renewed. Ideas for when you don't know what's next, Jill offers loads of practical ideas for thriving in this encore season. 
So I encourage you to pick it up. You'll find that link, as I said, at michellerayburn.com slash 38. And you'll see more about the resources that we talked about in this episode in our interview and also uh, more about the book and the journal that goes along with it. So thank you so much for joining me. Tune in next time as we continue talking one more week about finding new perspective in the aging phase of life. God bless you. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.